Hi, Keely. Hi, Sarah. So today we're sharing our conversation with Helen, wonderful Helen Stevens, illustrator extraordinaire. All-round human extraordinaire. But before that, we should definitely share with people that the Substack Soiree, our paid class for people who want to take a deep dive into the magic and the strategy and the craft of Substack with us, it's enrolling right now. We are running a very special winter holiday slash Christmas version. Think twinkly lights, think raucous Christmas party on Zoom. Um, And then it's going to be running over Christmas and into the new year so that we start off the new year with a week together as well of writing to really kind of get your 2024 goals in action. So if you would like to join us with that, we've got payment plans available. We'd really love to have you in there. You'll find the link in your show notes where you can just search for the Subsex Soiree and find us there. Anything I forgot to mention there? I think just to say that it's going to be such an amazing way to finish off, wrap up the end of 2023 and get really nice and clear about how you want to bring your creativity into the new year. We're going to have a two-week break over the Christmas period and then we're going to come back the second week of January and get through that final week of the class together and just make make our creativity and make our stories the priority and I think that's just going to be such a beautiful way to start 2024. So we would love to have you in there if you want some accountability if you want some support check it out but today we have a different conversation to share with you with my good friend Helen um this was such a good conversation wasn't it Keely I got so much out of it it was amazing I I I was sort of stunned for half of it because I was like this is all so good I wanted to just soak in what she was saying it was wonderful and I think there's lots in here even if you're not an illustrator or a visual person necessarily in the way that you use Substack or want to use Substack there's still so much value and Helen's really open about her numbers and her growth rate and her paid subscribers and the money she's making and all that kind of jazz so give it a listen and we'd love to hear what you think do give us a comment and a join in the chat over on Substack afterwards yes and a big thank you to everyone who has been commenting and sharing and restacking our first episode it's been so lovely to to read those comments and just feel like we've been able to have sit there and have a cup of tea in a conversation with you all it's it's just been been really really wonderful way to start this podcast I saw someone had restacked it and they just said it's okay you're not doing substack all wrong and I was like ah damn that's what we should have called the episode (laughs) that's that's the message in fact that's the message probably of our whole shtick so um yeah I'm stealing that we might have to go back and change change that episode and credit her (laughs) amazing okay here's Helen and we hope you enjoy hi Helen welcome to the podcast thanks for inviting me this is exciting you're our first official guest on this podcast um am I really so no pressure but if you could make it really good that would be awesome (laughs) (laughs) I Um, love that try and get it absolutely perfect because that's the message of everything you do isn't it exactly yeah you have to be perfect or no one will like you is basically right I'll do my best okay (laughs) I'm so glad that came through that's great (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess we should introduce your work and who you are do you do you have a spiel that you give tell everybody yeah I don't have a spiel but I'll try it so I'm Helen Stevens I write and illustrate picture books I've been doing that for about 25 years. I'm also a co-founder of The Good Ship Illustration with my good friends Katie Chappell and Tanya Willis, and we 
run courses online for illustrators. And what else do I do? Substack. I started the walk to see hashtag, which is um, sketches drawn from life in a sketchbook. I make really good cheese scones. And the secret is tons and tons of cheese and extra Parmesan, as well as your strong cheddar. Yeah. And mustard. um so obviously this is a substack podcast and um you came to mind immediately when I was thinking of people to talk to because I love the energy you bring to your substack like if it inspires me all the time talking to you about how you use it because it seems like you find it really free you don't seem to have very many like horrible rules for yourself about how to show up The thing is, Sarah, that I know that if I set myself a rule, I'll rebel against the rule, even if I made the rule myself. I just know that about myself. So if I thought, (laughs) I'll write a substack every Thursday, I'll start writing, I'll send it on Wednesday just to be... (laughs) Contrary. (laughs) Yeah, or not send it at all, and and then wonder why I'm not, and it's because I wrote a rule. So I know that there's all that advice about you should write on a specific day of the week, and I heard um, Farah's store, and I think it was on the podcast you did with us, Sarah, where she, I think she's, or it could have been on a YouTube thing, where she says, um, depending what you offer, if you're if you're a really serious content, like, like business advice, and I'm talking like shoulder pad business advice, like financial advice, that kind of thing, you should do that on a Monday. But if it's like a really cozy chat, that should be a Sunday. So you could work out your subject on what day of the week you would post from that. So I had to think about it and I thought, oh, I'm maybe like a Wednesday or a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> but immediately, as soon as I thought went through my head, I thought, don't start that. Don't start with a date because I know I'll just break my own rule. So, yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things like that is good advice. If you have the type of brain that likes that, there's sense in that. But also it does not going to make or break you. You know, if you sent out financial advice, it was really helpful on a Tuesday. It's not like they don't go, well, sorry, I've consumed my financial advice for the week. Yeah, so true. So true. Uh, Yeah, that's relying on the fact that people will get the email or get the post in their inbox and read it that day as well, which is often not necessarily the case. You know, once your content is there on Substack, it's evergreen and you can point to it and even if people don't open it and read it on that day, it's not, it doesn't, it's not like um, email delivery, you know, in, in a normal email space where if you don't get a certain number of emails opened, you know what I mean? It can affect your delivery rate. It's not like that. So it's, it's probably not as, as needed. Yeah. And also time zones, as we've discovered just today, that like my Tuesday is your Wednesday, like it, yeah, it's, it's a whole load of variables. But I think the message as well there of, like, not setting rules to trip yourself up mm. is really important. And and the way you experiment with it, like, the way you'll just be like, oh, I thought I'd try a workshop. I thought I'd try a workbook. And just kind of throwing things at the wall to see what sticks, which is what we all have to do, try to do. But the, I don't know, there's a freedom to how you do it, Helen, that seems like you're unattached to the outcome. I just think, makes it fun. I think I'm an experimenter by nature because it's the same in my picture books. Like I, I'll get used to a material and I'll use it for a while and then I'm ready to move on from that material and try something else. 
or then I might think, oh, I'm going to go digital on the next one. I'm going to learn it now on the job. And I get obsessed with learning something new. And then I've done that. And then I want to try something else. So I think um, that's just how I approach most things. I think I'm an experimenter. I wonder um, as well, hearing you say that, if there's something in the practice of being able to let go of things that don't work. Because to be able... I mean, this is my guess because I'm not an illustrator, but to be able to do the work you do, you must sometimes have to put time into like a rough that just doesn't work. Oh, that yeah, 100%. That happens all the time. You couldn't be an illustrator if you were scared of making mistakes or or just even if it's not a mistake and you have a great book idea, but it goes nowhere. Um, that's just the life of an illustrator. So, yeah. And you can't make that mean something about you as, as a as an illustrator no yeah even even making a book like it might take me a year to make a book and I'll put everything into it it'll take over my whole life for you know four or five months of that year and take over part of my life for the other six months you know it takes a lot of work but once it's done that's it it's out and it might be a success it might not and I've just got to move on I've got to think there it is out in the world. It's nothing to do with me now. It'd be nice if it's a success, but if it's not, it doesn't matter because I'm making the next one. So that's just been, yeah, that's the life of an illustrator, really. It reminds me of what um, Elizabeth Gilbert says in Big Magic, which um, <laughs> I was going to say you hate. You don't hate that book. I don't hate that book. <laughs> you think I said that once to be like, to be flippant and then you've remembered it because you always say that to me I know I do my... I think we had a conversation I think you just read it and you were a bit like something in it you were a bit like oh I didn't like this bit there was so... a bit there was a bit about ideas arriving from somewhere else as if it's magic they just arrive from somewhere else and and I think I always think actually ideas happen when I put some work in I remember being a bit rejectful of that well, I've changed it now. You hate it now. <laughs> I've daily mailed it. Um, yeah, she says something about keeping like the creative, the creativity. You've got to hold it sacred and profane. You've got to be willing to like nurture it and give it everything, but also willing to just like throw it away and not care. Mm. And it is really hard to hold both of those in your head. And I think it becomes even more difficult on something like Substack where you have an audience, a direct audience response, and you can kind of see the numbers for how well something has mm-hmm. or hasn't done. And the mm-hmm. same for Instagram, right? Like that's the same thing of d- trying not to be swayed too much by the numbers mm-hmm. to change your voice, but then still being responsive and, and giving people what they want. Yeah, I try not to focus on the numbers, really. I have a nosy at them, but my numbers go really, really up and down. I really wish I could show you that little graph that they show you behind the scenes on the dashboard because it goes really, really up and down. But generally, it's going up overall, so I think that's good. But, I, but you know, I mess around and experiment on there, and sometimes I, I want a break and I just have a little break for a while. And quite rightly, people think, oh, I'll unsubscribe and, and subscribe to someone else for a bit, and that's fine because I would do that too. Um, but it feels good to me that there's no pressure to perform all the time, same time every week. Um, yeah, it's just not my way of doing it, really. But the numbers do go up overall. So let's go back to the beginning let's kind of give everyone an overview of your subsect story do you remember when it was you first signed up yeah um I signed up July 22 because of you Sarah because I've learned that if you tell me I should do something then I should definitely get on it right there (laughs) (laughs) 
Because I can remember you took my phone off me and opened my first Substack account. I'm oh, sorry, my first inst- Instagram account. You took my phone off me and you opened my first Did page. I? <laughs> and then, you know, and, and you, when you first launched your course, you shared with me how great that was going. And, and, and then we launched a good ship. So I've learned that if, if you tell me to do something, Sarah, I'm doing it. <laughs> oh, my God, I've got so much power. Amazing. <laughs> um, and then when did you turn on paid? Um, um, immediately, I think. I think I remember because we were there and I'm sure you turned it on and I was like, oh, was it my paid? Oh, do you know what? I no, there? I don't think I did. I think I maybe left it a month or so because, you know, people can gift you in advance. They can pledge um, pledge in advance because I'd not looked at the payment system at all. I had a whole bunch of people pledging that they would pay me as soon as I went paid. So I thought, brilliant, I'll switch it on. But I'd left that in dollars, which meant I got none of the pledges. Oh, no. <laughs> I hadn't even looked behind the scenes at the money at all for those first, I don't know, a month or something. So, yeah, if you decide not to turn, this is my tip. If you don't turn your paid subscribers on and people pledge, make sure if you're, if you're British, you've got it in pounds. That's a really good tip. I did not know mm. that. That seems like a bit of a an error in the back end somewhere <laughs> but presumably those people since have found out that you're offering a paid option and have, have given I, you that money I guess. I guess so I didn't actually go and find them I guess so so you imported a list you already had to start your Substack, right yeah the MailChimp that I set up for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah you told me I had to do it so I did it I had a MailChimp newsletter and I think I had about 3,500 people on there I think from memory Mm-hmm. Um, so you imported them and I put those people in Substack, started writing some newsletters, and then I think a month or so later turned on the paid. Um uh, yeah, that's it. People just started to come in very gradually at first, kind of slow uptake. Because I run the Good Ship Illustration, I didn't want to overlap with stuff that we already do in the Good Ship. So I, mm. I wanted to be Helen Stevens rather than do um, the good ship and all of the stuff we do there. Um, and in my previous newsletter on MailChimp before I moved over to Substack, every time I wrote something about my digital process, about Procreate or Photoshop or that kind of thing, I, I used to get huge, huge feedback from that. My email box would just fill up with messages. I'll come back to that, actually. Um so I decided that I would carry on doing that, like focus on how I learned Procreate. Um, yeah, so my focus at first was on digital stuff and that went down really, really well. And not writing then as much personal stuff? Because now I go on your page and there's kind of a really nice mixture of mm. like house stuff and kind of just what's going on and hopefully soon a cheese scone recipe. <laughs> <laughs> um, well... Uh, yeah, I was just writing stuff about illustration and procreating and stuff like that. And then a friend of mine, uh, Marlouse DeFries, who's another illustrator, she, she, uh, I think we met up in real life for the first time because she's Dutch and she was over here. And she said, do you know, I'd really like to see what your house is like. I wish you'd write a substack about your house. So I thought, oh, I wonder if other people would be interested in that. Because I'd been putting um, pictures of our new kitchen on Instagram stories. 
Um, so I thought, oh, okay, I'll do that. So I wrote this post all about how this room in our house is very cold and we could never work out why. As Sarah, you followed the progress. We thought there was a volcano underneath the room at one point because... Or a body. I was or a body. Be a mystery. Yeah. I kind of hoped it was going to be, but sadly... Yeah. Um, but then we <laughs> have a sinkhole. That would have been a good story right there. That's like... <laughs> It's like a sinkhole in one room in the house. And it had caused the floor to sort of burst and then big crack down it. So we had to investigate. And the builders dug down really deep looking for bodies or volcanoes or whatever. <laughs> I won't go on it. it, it, it read the, the substack. Read the substack. The post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I feel like also for the context here as well that we should mention, like this wasn't just like a DFS kitchen that you were. Did DFS do kitchens? Yeah. A B&Q we, kitchen. Yeah, we... Like, we we um yeah we went we found a local joiner who built a kitchen based on a, a little bit like the kitchen in the picture book called a tiger who came to tea by Judith Kerr. Yeah, it's always been my favourite kitchen of all time, and so <laughs> we found a joiner who also liked that kitchen and said he could build one. Oh wow! So really, all the plat, the, you know, the the mystery of the hall, and then we we cut a new window out in the wall, and there was a and looked like an elbow bone in the wall. There were all these weird mysteries, and then in the end, we got this nice kitchen. And I had more reaction to that than anything I've ever written anywhere. It just went crazy. And that was so liberating because I thought, oh, I don't really have to always talk about illustration. I can chat about stuff, just, you know, house house chat. So I call that Sunday house chat. And every time I have an idea um, of just like general stuff that's going on in the house or mysteries in our house, um, I write about that and I send. I actually do send that one on a Sunday and I haven't rebelled against it and send it on a Saturday yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it sounds like you come up with these ideas, these ideas by doing them. So you didn't sit down and go, I want to do a Sunday house chat letter. I'm going to just start writing and this is what I feel like writing about. And out of that action came the idea for a, a regular series. Whereas I think often creatives or writers, we think, oh, well, we need to come up with the idea and formulate the idea and the plan and mark out a whole, you know, four, four posts series ready to go before we launch it. But you just got the idea and ran with it. Then it became a feature. Yeah, yeah I, I do feel like the... I have kind of different ways of coming up with ideas for posts. One way is that I just write something random, see if it works. Sometimes I just wake up with an idea in my head and I'm usually the first up in my house and I get to the kitchen table and I write it within an hour and it's ready to go and I just press send. And it's just whatever's on my mind. It's almost journaling. It's just whatever's on my mind. And then once it's written, I can organize it into the right order or as soon as I, I sometimes I write the whole newsletter and then I start to think, what will the title be? And when I write the title, I then realize what the newsletter is about and go <laughs> back and, and edit it. Um, so it's really, I really work out what the newsletter is on the hoof in the moment. Um, a bit like drawing from life, a bit like a sketch. I love that. That's but so then other ones are planned, Keely. So you, like you said, sometimes people will plan a four-part newsletter. Sometimes if I'm going to do something specific about a digital process, then I will plan it in that way. But I, but I do a bit of both. I love that. How do you 
think you could balance that if you so if you had an idea for something that you wanted to make a regular feature how do you approach it so that you don't get kind of stuck in the weeds of planning out how the whole thing's going to look and flow and and everything uh and just kind of actually doing it like it seems like you've just got this confidence to just do it (laughs) um I know that sometimes I'll think I'm going to write about a particular subject and then I'll start it and then I try and write everything in the whole world about that subject, <laughs> like everything in my brain about yeah. that. Um, and then that becomes overwhelming because I think, oh, I've missed that, oh, I've missed that, but what if people say this, what if people say that? And often those ones just stay in my drafts forever. But what I've decided to do now is, I'll write it and I'll think there's tons more to say about that, but that's another newsletter or there's loads to say about that, but that leaves a space for people to reply in the comments Mm -hmm. rather than stating it. They can state it in the comments instead. So now if I've written a newsletter and I know there's a whole lot more stuff I could say about it, I just press send anyway. That's such good advice actually, because that's a complete trap that I think a lot of us are guilty of falling into is, that completest mindset of like we have to get absolutely everything out and that's the whole point of a sub is there's always got to be more to say there's always going to be yeah you don't want to continue. use up all of your knowledge in one amazing newsletter and never write another <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have that would, definitely would be a long read but I have definitely tried that before because I decided that I would do a procreate workshop And um, it would be a live workshop and I would chat about it on Substack and it would go out for paid subscribers. And and for some reason, in this circumstance, I decided I had to tell everybody everything that I know about appropriate. (laughs) And um, honestly, it was the most stressful evening of my entire life. (laughs) I spoke in a sort of high-pitched voice. I was trying to fit too much in and there was loads of boring tech stuff that they had to wait for me to share screens and... Anyway, it went out and it and it did really well. I think I gained about oh maybe oh, nearly two hundred extra paid subscribers because of that. Um, but then I had a big gap of not writing on Substack for a couple of weeks because I'd found it so overwhelming and difficult that it actually made me feel a bit repulsed by Substack. <laughs> it demands that of me. <laughs> No, Substack didn't demand that of me. For some reason, that evening, I demanded that of me. So I thought, well, in future, that was such a success. I will do it again, but I'll do it in 15-minute bites Mm. because you don't need to know everything. And who can be bothered to watch a whole hour video looking for the tiny bit they wanted? So in future, they're going to be like 15-minute bite-size pop-up meetings you know I bet you could even do like Q&A like get people to ask you questions and just answer those in yeah bite-sized format because yeah otherwise you're guessing what people need to know aren't you and I think you're right that it, it's your knowledge that people want it's not a tutorial they could go and watch that on YouTube yeah exactly I, th- I think that's it I think it's just way more fun to do it in uh, the same the same thoughts that I have about writing a newsletter, whereas if you start your sub, you start your newsletter and it turns out to be a sentence, that's fine, send it. And it's just the same for a live. So, yeah, that's the plan in future. More lives, but tiny, little bite-sized ones. I love that. So, so this kind of 
Oh, sorry. So no, I was just going to say, I just got an email yesterday from someone asking if uh, they if they could be on Substack if they weren't feeling brave enough yet to write stories and they just wanted to share their photos and they and they called them tiny stories. They just had tiny mm. stories. And I was like, of course, I, you know, I think that there's absolutely a place for that. But that just, you've just proven that. Well, and that kind of, that links to what I was thinking, which is we do hear a lot from illustrators as well who feel like Substack's not for them because it's we talk about it so often as a writing platform because of its roots, because of where it started and this whole idea of long-form content. Oh, I but hate those just... words, Sarah. Sarah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. don't say that them out phrase. loud. <laughs> long-form content. Oh, no, it sends chills. <laughs> the sentence that should not be named. Exactly, and yeah. That's, it, does, it creates a lot of pressure, and I think it makes people think there are certain expectations whereas you know if you just want to share pictures on Substack I I think there's absolutely an audience for that I'm guessing you would agree well I totally agree agree because as a writer I actually don't really like a huge body of text arriving in my email I'm too busy or I feel even if I'm not even if I'm just watching telly game shows on tv I see a massive big body of text and think oh (laughs) But if I see a bit of text and then a picture and then maybe a bit more text and then a picture, the picture keeps me going because I'm a visual person. Um, And I really like it when I get an email that's just a picture or just a comic strip or or just a sketch drawn from life with a little bit underneath about what materials they used. Yeah, I, I think as a reader and a writer, the words long form content fill me with dread. And I think you can use Substack really visually. And also I really like the audio feature. So sometimes I write a piece and then just record it because I always get feedback that people like my accent. (laughs) So I think, well, I might as well just record it then if people like to put their earphones on and listen. And it's so easy. And there's people who just send out voice notes, like they'll just be making their morning coffee and just have a chat. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be writing. It doesn't have to be images. And I think we're going to see more and more of that as Substack kind of move away from that original writing for writers. And it's, you know, broadening their platform to be more multimedia, I guess. Mm. Um, And I think of it as like, I think I've said this to you before, Helen, like a magazine where if you've got a magazine and it was just every everything was a really long read article and you just flipped through... Like, that would feel very odd. That would be like, it kind of reminds me of like The New Yorker, which Rory used to subscribe to and then just never read because Mm. you want things that entice you in with like short things. You want like little chunks of content. You want beautiful images. You want lists. You want things you can just dip into that then get you kind of hooked and get you reading. And if you're curating your substack feed of the accounts you follow, it makes perfect sense to want things in there that are bite-sized as well as those more long read, like, yeah, it's so true. Like as a reader, you're all you're not always up for a long read, and I I quite like sending out just a quick question like, "What's your favorite pen?" or because um you can if you start that as a thread, people can re- can reply with pictures, so it can be you know what have you got on your desk today, and people just like community. It's just nice to see that you know illustrators spend a lot of time at home alone, and to see that other illustrators are also at home alone working at their desk. It's, you know, it's nice and um, it only takes a minute to do it. doesn't involve any investment of time. Um, and yeah. the real content there is 
the conversation that happens like yeah you want it's other people almost kind of creating the value that happens yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah I've seen quite a lot of people who will paywall the comments it's kind of an automatic feature sometimes but so they'll ask a question like that and then to reply you have to be a paid member and it's funny how often that makes me sign up as a paid member because if someone asks a question and you have a good answer yeah or you have an answer you really want to share you know like even if I was just like this is the best pen oh my god I've got to tell everyone about this amazing pen that would be enough for me to go yeah I need to sign up so I can run about pens um and I don't think we think of that when we when we make our offer to people we think Mm. it has to be us giving them information all the Mm. time actually it's much more about experience and kind of the feelings yeah I think you're so right and it's about giving people space this is what I was saying about you don't need to write every detail you know about something. It's nice to leave people the space to reply with what materials they use or a yeah. piece of advice for you or chat amongst each other. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say earlier. I said I was going to come back to it. Is this one of the things I really like about Substack compared to when I used to write a newsletter on MailChimp? On MailChimp, people would reply to me in my email box and... um Sometimes that was overwhelming. You couldn't reply to everybody. Whereas in Substack, if people reply, they chat to each other and I can just have a look in when I've got time. Um, So it keeps my email box free, which is really nice. I remember actually you feeling quite overwhelmed by that because sometimes you'd hit on a subject that everyone really wanted to talk to you about. Mm. And so they'd all reply. And yeah, Substack actually, then you can use that information and, and... then that post is going to spread and, and people are going to share it on notes and recommend it and things like that. Mm, exactly. On MailChimp, it could kind of feel like it was done and dusted. I'm not going anywhere. I'm in the kitchen, so I'm just going to put the kettle on. Okay. I'm going to get some water, actually. Sarah, you said something about you could share what your favourite pens are and then have a paywall with how you use those pens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, the the next step is the thing that you charge for. I think I woke up in the night thinking that that was my amazing idea and got really excited. I now remember you actually told me that. <laughs> I'll just finish so my kettle's not noisy. If Rory tries to put this bit in, my kettle will start whistling. I really feel like every time I see Helen's work or Good Ship illustration, like it's always just got so much, it's so joyful. It is just so full of this energy and... Yeah, I think even when, like, any, anything that she posts, like... Do you know, Keely, in real life, she's the opposite? <laughs> only when yeah, I'm I can totally... You. Only when I'm around you, Sarah, you just get me so down. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why the good shit looks so joyful, though? It's because we're the three of us are such good friends and it's just fun. And um, it's so nice to do something... Well, you two must find this as well. But it's so nice to do something with friends because, you know, there's three of us, so there's only a third of the pressure on me. So when I did that Procreate workshop, the big shock I got was, oh, it's just me talking into the void for an hour. Usually I pass the baton between Katie and Tanya and we all make each other laugh, but yourself for an hour, that's a whole other ball game, And it makes me admire what you do so much, Sarah, You've done all of those courses single-handedly. I honestly don't know how you do it. But now I'm doing this with Keely. I am. To- I think I got really jealous seeing you do it, like with Tanya and Katie. And I was just like, "Oh, that looks way more fun." 
looks so much more fun. I want to do it that way. It is. It's um, really good fun. And yeah, that Procreate workshop, doing it alone, really made me realise how much I enjoy working with other people. So yeah, I think if we're talking about Substack plans for the future, it is that I will do more kind of guest stuff, invite other people on for a chat and stuff like that. I was thinking, you know, we we said we wanted to write that post possibly together mm. about like finding your style. I still keep thinking about this all the time, about style, clothes-wise and style, illustration-wise. And interiors-wise even, like it comes into everything, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I just did the most amazing, um, so Lisa, who actually did the soiree, she's an interior designer, and she was taking me through this exercise about colour memory and how when we have all these different aesthetics and styles that we like and it's and you know we're like oh but I like light and bright and I also like dark and cozy and how do you kind of figure out which which one you like and she took me through this exercise about finding color memories and things and it was amazing it's like mm-hmm. incredible how that actually affects not just the interior home stuff that I was talking to her about but also yes personal style and then branding and everything it's like it's all really connected it's really really connected we talk about that a lot in good ship you know clothes that you wore as a child and you've continued wearing for the rest of your life like I've always had an obsession with navy blue cords (laughs) I had them as a child I had them as a teenager I had them at art school I have them now like, I don't know why, but, it, you know, it's it's a thing. And I think if you can appreciate, like, spot those things in yourself and not take them for granted, but really celebrate them, um, those are kind of style points to use across everything, you know. If that's a colour you always buy, remember, like, take a note and value it. And then when you need to make a colour choice, you can go back to that. You know. Do you know what my childhood style inspiration is? I actually still still refer to probably on a daily basis. Do you remember the Clark's Keeper's shoes with a key in the heel? No, I th- Clark's were very boring because I was born in 72. So Clark's were just really, really boring. What they had? These were like me. 90s Clark's. Wow. I couldn't have them because I had special feet, but my sister got them. What kind <laughs> of special feet have you got? <laughs> really narrow feet. Um, that when I was little, if I had worn normal shoes, I'd like walk with my feet turned in like a penguin. <laughs> so I had to have like boring, proper shoes. And my sister got these amazing, but there was an advert and it was like a princess in a, in a forest. And she had like a semi sheer kind of creamy white lacy dress and long curly hair and a flower crown oh. and a gold key. And then she had these shoes with the key in the heel. It and, all uh, makes sense now, it? Sarah. That's you. <laughs> that's amazing. That's me. <laughs> I watched the advert back on YouTube not long ago and it wasn't nearly as good as it is in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like, I had I had a, an annual, you know, in the 70s for Christmas, you were always given an annual. And I was given a, I can't remember, I think it was a Blue Peter annual and it had a green background and red writing. So if you wiggled the book around in your hand, the red jiggled on the green. It used to make me really excited. And uh, <laughs> somebody, my nana knit me a green cardigan and somebody else gave me a red hand-me-down dress. And I put them together and they did the same thing and I got really excited. And I still, get, <laughs> I still feel like that about red, or green, red and green. Now I feel like they've got like some sort of secret power. 
Um, mm. Yeah, you, it, it's really interesting to look for those things and remember them because they they are who you are, and it and it comes out in what you wear, how you decorate your house, what your illustration looks like, everything. Your branding for Substack. Then you can make choices confidently because you've got that the clarity. You're not sort of mm. chasing after all the different options because there are there are so many beautiful options. But if you know the one that makes you feel that you know that energy and that excitement, then it eliminates the others. I think we all have those things. We all have those valuable things, but the problem is life is so busy or, or school makes you feel like one of the crowd or, you know, that you just, you end up thinking they're not valuable. So it, it's kind of remembering they are valuable and um yeah, keep them stored up for just the situation, making your sub stack um, branding. <laughs> I hate the word branding as well, by the way, it's horrible, isn't it? It makes you sound like a big business. I think we can agree with that. We we're not probably the biggest fans of the word branding. You know, it makes either. me think of a cow. <laughs> it... it makes me think of a cow when, with a brand, and it's like you are labelled with this, and it's permanent. It's etched into you, and it's burnt into you, and that's not what branding is. I think that's exactly it, Sarah. You put your finger on it exactly. It's like it's permanent and etched in forever. And I think um, I know that I've struggled with this sort of thing before, and I think it's because I think. That if you design a logo or, you know, the little header on Instagram, I don't know what you call that thing at the top of your Instagram, that if you design that, that's it forever. So every decision you make right now is forever. And that's terrifying because especially for me as an experimenter who gets my hair cut in a different style every six months, I just can't bear the idea of branding lasting forever. So, um, yeah, as illustrators, we've got a head start. But there's also the load of voices in your head as an illustrator because your website is full of images. So branding, you feel as if anything that has an image on it will interfere with your folio of images. Sorry, can you hear Peggy retching in the background? Oh, is she all right? She's absolutely fine. She just likes to retch when I'm recording podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sure. That makes sense. Consider yourself lucky you got a little Peggy retch in there. Um. Uh, where was I? Yeah, yeah. So I think for illustrators, it's quite complicated because you've got a folio of images and then it feels funny if you've got branding with an image on it that might compete. So I think the best branding for an illustrator really is just your name written by hand in your writing. That's that's just an absolute no-brainer, fail-safe logo for your website. I think, I, yeah, I've got that on my own website. Um, but all, the other thing... Sorry, I'm talking about this in a really long-winded way. When I had my website redesigned last year, I worked with this brilliant designer called Sarah Archard. Archard? Archard? Sorry, Sarah. I can't quite remember. Um, And she said to me, so we need to pick a palette for your website. And I thought, I don't know how to do that. And I said to her, but I've got artwork going back to, you know, I graduated from art school in 98 and I've made a million books since then. I haven't, I don't really know what my palette is because new books, I create new palettes for new books. Anyway, she, she said this really great thing. She said to me, send me over 20 images that will definitely be on the main pages of your website. So like the images you love best that you need to be there right at the forefront. So I did. And then she made a palette from those images 
And then I realized I could see from those choices of images that I actually have quite a distinct color palette that I use again and again. And so then I've just used that on everything. It's on my website. Um, if I need to design something for Instagram, I remember I go back and have a little look at the palette. I feel like it's kind of even in your kitchen, that colour palette. Yeah, it is. It's in my kitchen. It's in the things I wear. It was so amazing how when she pointed it out, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I did, don't I? So then I used that in Substack as well. Um, so that that narrowed down everything because I had some colours I wanted to use. And I thought, this this branding is not for life. It's just for now while I get started because I don't know my way around Substack yet. I need to pop something in that little banner at the top. So I just made something very quickly on Procreate. I think it took me a couple of hours and stuck it on in that mindset of, that's all right, I'll come back to it later. Um, and I did. I probably left that up for six months, maybe. And then I had another idea that seemed to fit it better, and I redesigned it, and that took me an another hour or two or something. And and I'm really happy with that one. I really love it. I can imagine it being there a long time. But at the same time, if I fancy changing it one day, like my hair, I'll probably just change it. I love as well that Substack makes branding so simple. Like there's only so many things you actually have control over and then you can just get on with actually writing. Whereas when you are like building, back in the day, choosing a blog theme and choosing all the colours and you could spend days mm. and days trying to get it to look a certain way. Um which in the end gets in the way of the actual kind of sharing of your work. Mm. It's not your work, it's just your website. Mm, that's so true, yeah. There aren't endless decisions to make, yeah. But there's enough to still make it feel like an experience of kind of, like, that it belongs with the rest of what you do. On that afternoon where I decided to change my branding, I, I drew the new branding, it took me, it was really fast, maybe half an hour, and then I, I wrote a substack about it put the new branding on and it was really really good because in the comments everybody's going you've got it the wrong size you can have it a lot wider than that and because <laughs> I hate reading I hate reading numbers I hadn't actually gone into Substack and see what the measurements were <laughs> and so then kind of that afternoon live while people are chatting to me I, I redesigned it so they would fit and then put it out again saying what do you think of this does it fit now and everybody was discussing it and so yeah my complete incompetence about reading numbers meant it was a really successful post because everybody wanted to tell me I'd got it wrong. <laughs> As an engagement hack, just make a big mistake and you'll get loads of comments. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should mention here that if anyone's listening, we have on the Substack Soiree a Canva bundle where you get all the templates of like the right sizes. Oh, I should have done that. You that. Can change. I should have. Maybe we didn't have it then. I don't know, but it exists now. If you know, actually, it, I think he did. Because, I think he did, Sarah, because I think somebody in the comments suggested that I go and download it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about numbers, if that's okay. Yeah, okay. Because I feel like there's still so much mystery surrounding this. So how many people roughly do you now have on your list? You started with, did you say about three and a half thousand yeah. that you brought in? And I've got 6,200 now. So that's grown from writing on Substack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I write a newsletter on Substack. I tell everybody on Instagram that I've written a Substack that day. I guess a lot of people come through Instagram, but I think most of my new people come from recommendations. Because there's a really good gang of illustrators on Substack and everybody's really supportive and gives each other, each other a shout out. So 
I think I get a lot from recommendations. Yeah, recommendations seem to be a really powerful thing when you look at the numbers for people. Mm. Um, and so of those six and a half thousand, do you know roughly how many you have at the moment? Yeah. I have, ha- like, I have about... how many are paid? How many have you had paid? So um, I had, it went up to about 330, I think, when I did my Procreate workshop. But now it's about 250, which sounds like a massive drop. But it's still a really, really steady increase since I first started out. Um, and that drop is because I put too much into that Procreate workshop and put myself off doing it again. But I know that now I've worked that out and I'll do 10-minute, 15-minute sessions more regularly. Those numbers will go back up again. But I don't worry about it too much. As long as the graph generally goes up, it doesn't matter if there's some zigzags on the way. The 250 paid subscribers is really good, I think. I'd not, um, it's in dollars, that's $20,000 a year, which is brilliant. Like annualized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For for doing what it sounds like you were kind of already doing on your, between your newsletter and your blog anyway. I did. Or would have liked to be doing. I was doing it for free anyway. And um, so that's really nice. It's lovely that people support me to do it on there. I really appreciate that. It's brilliant. That's when I became a paid subscriber was you had a Procreate book yeah like after your yeah. after your session yeah. I, I missed the, the live but then you you released like a pdf yeah and I was like oh okay yeah. I need this <laughs> well that's not yeah I think we had a little chat then didn't we yes yeah yeah. I read, yeah this is an absolutely genius idea that I deserve a pat on the head for is that <laughs> <laughs> after I did that zoom call which nearly broke me I thought oh well I made a slideshow for that and actually, that slideshow is probably more useful because people can flick through it quickly and find just the bit they wanted rather than sit through me talking for an hour. Um, so I then made that slideshow into a PDF that people could download. And I think I've gained more followers from that than I did for the live session, actually. You mentioned that you would do things differently now to kind of retain people who maybe have signed up just for one thing. Mm. Do you think it's just about having like more things in the pipeline so that people have a reason to stick around? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy with people coming and going because I come and go from other people's substacks. So, you know, we're still friends. I don't mind. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to fall out. Um, but yeah, I think um, I'm really happy that I don't, I don't feel overcommitted to something that I can't keep up. And people can come and go as they please. So I don't feel too tied down. And that's a really nice feeling. But um, I do think that next year, I will start doing some more tiny sessions, little snippets of um, advice. You, you know, I don't know, invite guests on and have a chat together about our favorite thing on Procreate or, you know, yeah, I'm going to do more short, snappy things so that I can keep it up without feeling overwhelmed Um, because I like how easy it feels at the moment I don't want to change that but it would be nice to be a bit more consistent yeah um and I suppose like once you've once you've got people in there like it makes sense to try and kind of keep giving them what they want so that Mm, they can stay in your your world a bit longer yeah yeah so are you suggesting now do you find yourself suggesting Substack to other illustrators new illustrators I I just bore people silly with it Sarah yeah (laughs) Yeah, I do. I have to ask people whether I'm talking about it too much. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that's always a good sign. That's that's when you know that you're you're appropriately obsessed. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. And do you think if you were starting out now as an illustrator, it would be a useful platform? Oh, absolutely. So I know from talking to publishers that publishers, picture book publishers, are actively looking people looking for people on Instagram. So Instagram is definitely a place you want to be because the publishers are there looking around. So you want a nice Instagram account. But if you want to get into any more depth, and Substack is brilliant. And also, it's it's really hard to make a living as an illustrator in the first few years, particularly picture books, because even if you're commissioned, it's a while before you start earning royalties. Um, so it's nice to have an extra stream of income. So I think Substack is brilliant for that. Because you can still be in the art world and still be talking about art, but this could be a part-time job. And, you know, to say that you've doubled your mailing list since you joined, like, three and a half thousand-ish mm. people, another two, and my maths is bad, something like that. Yeah. Um, I wonder how many people listening right now have gained that many Instagram followers in the last year. I definitely have not. My Instagram following has slowed right down. No, I, I definitely don't. Or even traditional email subscribers you wouldn't have grown that many in that time, like to a traditional list. No, I definitely wouldn't have, definitely not, no. I think it's all the nice chat and the recommendations, so it's all the nice things about Instagram that we used to love, isn't it? The community, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's kind of the thing that's moved over and that that sense of possibility and, yeah, the community of kind of like-minded people who want similar things. I think Instagram now has become so big that it's quite generic and so there's that, that community is still in there, but they're much harder to contact, mm. whereas within Substack, it's not everybody. And in fact, you find this, most people you speak to probably haven't even heard of it, and you have to try and explain it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that, to me, just shows how much growth potential there still is, because there will be a day when everyone has a Substack account, I suspect. Yeah, I think it's probably an, uh, it's easier to gain a lot of followers or or be featured by Substack now than it will be in a few years' time, because... Am I right in saying that Substack are really, their British growth is really, oh, I'm using all the, I don't know how to use business speak. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuclear. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Like they're, they're British and, and last I heard their British team was two people, but yeah, their, their growth in the UK is, is really booming and um, I think again, it's just gonna, it's just gonna keep growing. So now is the time to get in. Yeah, for sure. yeah, for sure. So tell us about your future plans for your Substack. This is your chance now. Sell it to everybody. Why should we all come and subscribe? <laughs> the thing so. is, if I say something out loud, I, I, you're not gonna do. I it. want you're to gonna rebel against it. <laughs> yeah. so, so my plan is to carry on as now, which is which is um, just carry on having fun on there and not commit myself to any huge overwhelming posts or lives where I try and tell everybody everything in the world. Um, Yeah, carry on as I am really and and making sure it's all kind of fun and easy and doable. I think people should come and follow you even if they just want an example of someone doing that because that's like... I love reading your work and I love seeing your work, but actually sometimes the biggest inspiration I take from your Substack is that, like, oh, it can be fun. Just remember <laughs> that. It can be fun. Um, There's no point so doing anything you. if it's not fun, is there? There's just no point. No, mm. it's not sustainable. Mm. If it feels bad in your body to do it, there's just no way you're going to keep doing yeah. it. That's why I 
don't go to it. It's the same as doing. <laughs> it's the same as doing a drawing. It's exactly the same thing. If you if you if you decide, I will be paid for this if I work very hard. It's just the kiss of death. Um, mm. Whereas if you just feel like, oh, I'm going to mess about and see if this works. That's when the best stuff happens when you're kind of off guard and you're not trying too hard. And I wrote down actually, as you were speaking earlier, like as a note to myself, as a potential Substack process, who knows? You have to be willing to waste time. Mm-hmm. And for me, like taking that away from this today feels really pivotal. I think as well because of my health, like my time always feels so limited, my energy is so limited. So you can get into this trap of thinking, oh, I've only got so much time and I'm behind on everything and this substack post or this whatever has to work this drawing has to work this article this you know it has to come out but as soon as you put that pressure on something you're not in that right flexible place where you're willing to kind of let go and start again and let it go in whatever direction it needs to go in and play you've got to be able to play that is so right play in ever in everything i think is really important that's why i love running the good ship with katie and tanya we just feel so happy that we get to mess about and have fun and do our art club and you know everything about it feels easy and playful and people can see that they they can see that when you're doing that and people want to join in mm. And it also, I suppose, weeds out the people who have no time for play, the very serious <laughs> academic type A people who don't want that. Yeah. Like, but there are so many that do. Yeah. Absolutely so many of us that do. So yeah, true. play. Play, make be willing to waste time and don't set any rules because you'll rebel against them. I feel like those are my takeaways yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Brilliant. I didn't know that's what this podcast was about, but I really like how you've summed it up so neatly. That's really good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was your agenda. All it made along. me sound like I had a plan. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> um, we did, so we did, we totally did. Yeah. <laughs> tell us where we can find uh, your Substack and where else you hang out online. Okay, so my Substack is called Pencil Pals, and I am on Instagram as Helen Stevens Lion. That's it. Got a website, HelenStevens.com. And available in all good bookstores. Yeah, you can. Oh, yeah. All my books are in all the good bookshops. Or you can look up the Good Ship Illustration. Um, and we have a whole load of freebies on the Good Ship Illustration. If you click on the massive big freebies button, um, y- yeah, you can go and see what we do for free. Amazing. Thank you so much, Helen. Um, and we'll see you on Substack. Lovely. Thanks for chatting. That was really good fun. Nice to meet you, Keely. You too, Helen. Thanks for being here. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love you to hit subscribe in your podcast app so that you can make sure you catch all of the future episodes too. If you're not already a subscriber over on Substack, head over and you can get all of our free resources, email updates and helpful guides as and when we release them. Right now we are enrolling for our Substack Soiree paid class. If you're listening to this in real time, you have just a couple of days now to join us for this festive period special soiree. We're going to be digging into everything from growth, monetization, writing habits, theme, topic, branding, copy, the works. If you want to make Substack the most fun, free and far reaching platform out of all of your online work, then come and join us in this Substack soiree. We're running for a few weeks until we get close to Christmas and then a little bit more in January 2024. The idea being that by the time you get back to your desk in January, 
wearing a few extra festive treats as well, this being a Christmas soiree and also there's going to be a Christmas party, there's going to be extra surprises and just think writing by the twinkle of fairy lights, coming together in a beautiful, warm and loving environment to support each other, to get guidance, support, advice, feedback. It's all going to be happening. If that sounds like something that might be useful for you, then we'd love you to come and check it out. Just click the link for the Substack Soiree class in your podcast notes right now, or you can find it all over on our Substack Soiree Substack page. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought about this episode, and we can't wait to read all of your comments and conversation online. Have an amazing week. I hope the words flow for you, that creativity finds you wherever you are, and that the internet is very kind to you. And we'll see you soon.